You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. On Wednesday afternoon, um, a good friend texted me and he asked me what I, what I thought what was happening in the Middle East was a sign of the end times. And not oblivious to the amount of death, so much evil, so much violence for thousands of years, so much destruction that echoes back to the covenant of Abraham. And then a missionary friend in Turkey, he told me on Monday, I have Jewish friends that are scared for their life. I also have a neighbor that wouldn't mind if Israel was wiped off the map. It's a difficult situation, is what he told me. Is this a sign of the end times? I can't argue that it's not, nor should I. With the age of the internet, with just the global reality that we live in, things don't look great. We are in the last days, as we have been for 2,000 years, but I can't deny that it At times it feels like the last hours. So much evil and hate on a biblical proportion. And I say all of that carefully, knowing that some preachers use end times talk to push their agenda because, you know, fear sells. Um, Because a preacher with a microphone telling you that the world's about to end can be used in a very manipulative way. It's truly not my intention. I don't know the exact hour or time, neither do you or any preacher, but it's still, like it still leaves me with this question of what will happen over the next few months. What will happen in the Middle East over the next year? Well, let's make it personal. Um, what's going to happen in your life in the next few months? What will happen to you in the next year? What will happen to East River Park in the next year? And these are questions I worry about. I look at my three kids and worry about their future, what kind of world they will grow up in, what is going to happen to them even within the next year. And I'm asking myself these questions as an American in Carter County, like don't we ever stop and think, there are moms and dads this morning that are asking themselves that question for their own kids in war-torn countries. So let's give them an answer. Let's give ourselves an answer. I want to answer what's going to happen in the next 16 months. And the answer is from God's word. The answer is going to apply to the Middle East. The answer is going to apply to your life. What will happen in the next 16 months. Let me show you from 1 Samuel 27. If you have a digital Bible, I'll read out of the ESV. You have a bulletin, it's in there in the bulletin. But before we read our main passage this morning, let's uh, pray together. Father, we, we come before you in just complete humbleness. Who are we? Who are we to 
to question you? Who are we to doubt you? Who are we to think we have all the answers? God, who, who are we before a holy God? God, we, we just submit our, our humbleness to your word. Looking at 1 Samuel 27, seeing the life of David, all of the really good things and all of the terrible things and seeing how you are so good and gracious through all of it, God, teach us what is ahead for every single one of us. Teach us what's coming next and help us to cling to the promises of your word as we do it. God, we're thankful to be here this morning. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, let's look at chapter 27, verse 1. Then David, he said in his heart, Now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than that I should escape to the land of the Philistines. Then, then Saul will despair of seeking me any longer within the borders of Israel, and I shall escape out of his hand. And so David arose and went over, he and 600 men who were with them, to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. And David lived with Achish at Gath, he and his men, every man with his household, David and his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel, and Abigail of Carmel, Nabal's widow. And it was told to Saul that David had fled to Gath. He, he no longer saw him. Then David said to Achish, If I found favor in your eyes, let a, let a place be given me in one of the country towns, that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So that day Achish gave him Ziklag, Therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day, and the number of the days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. Now David and his men went up and made raids against the Geshurites and the Gezerites and the Malachites, for these were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as far as sure to the land of Egypt. And David would strike the land, and would leave neither man nor woman alive, but would take away the sheep and the oxen and the donkeys and the camels and the garments and come back to Achish. And when Achish asked, where have you made a raid today? David would say against Negeb of Judah, or against Negeb of the Jeharimelites, it's a tough one, or against Negeb of the Kenites. And David would leave neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, thinking lest they should tell about us and say, so David has done. Such was his custom all the while he lived in the country of the Philistines. And Achish trusted David, thinking, He has made himself an utter stench to his people Israel. Therefore, he shall always be my servant. Chapter 28, verse 1. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces to war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, Understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. And David said to Achish, Very well, you shall know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. All right. What's going to happen in 16 months? 
Let me show you my cards. I didn't pick 16 because I, I had a weird prophetic dream and an angel told me a secret. Didn't pick 16 because of some like heavenly mathematical equation. I picked 16 because as you noticed in verse 7, that's how long David was in the land of the Philistines. A literal reading of God's word shows us that David was in the hand of the enemy for one year and four months. And what happened to David during that time is what will happen to you and I. So if you want to know what kind of moments to expect in the next 16, moments of, or 16 months of your life, here you go. Here's the future. Not all of them, but let me give you three of them from God's word. The first one is this. There will be moments of despair. Sorry to start with bad news, but that's where the passage starts. Now, I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better than for me that I should escape to the land of the Philistines. This internal dialogue we read in verse 1 of our passage. Mighty David, anointed king, loses hope, unravels, flees not just from Saul, but from Israel. I mean, we've seen some valleys in David's life, but this one just hits differently. David, he exiles himself from the enemy. King Saul of Israel hunting and hunting and hunting David to strike him down. And jealousy and rage flooded King Saul's heart. David will not take his place. So David, at least this time, doesn't leave to another stronghold. He leaves his own people to be with the enemy of God's people. In verses 2 through 7, you see the account. David arose with his 600 men, went to Achish, the king of Gath. And if all of that sounds familiar, it's because he's been there before. So 1 Samuel 21, David finds himself alone in the land of Gath. Uh, they know he's a mighty warrior, but at this point, he just looks like some lonely, crazy fugitive. Uh, this is not in... Your notes, it's not on the screen, but if you want to turn back, this is 1 Samuel 21. So 1 Samuel chapter 21, I'll start in verse 10 to read the account of David. And David arose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, is, is this not David, the king of the, of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul had struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. Well, David, he, he took those words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And so he changed his behavior before them, pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gates and let his spittle run down his beard. And Achish said to his servants, behold, you see this man's mad. Why have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? All right, so why return in chapter 27? Why would David return to Gath after escaping the first time? Well, I think it's clear. I mean, things are different now. David is not alone. David's reputation has grown, and now he enters the town with 600 men of valor. valor. He's a force to be reckoned with. And as the old saying goes, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So this time... Achish welcomes David and his men with open arms, rolling into town, 600 men and his two wives. And you know what? 
it worked for a while. Verse 4 says, it was told to Saul that David fled to Gath, so he no longer went after him. It's a win-win, kind of. So David, he stays long enough uh, to go to Achish in verse 5. And then he asks for his, a place for his people to live outside of this royal city. Achish is, is more than willing to oblige. I'm sure that it was, it was not easy for David, 600 of his guys, all their families to show up to town. That's a lot of people to feed. It's a lot of people to house. And so the king of Gath gave David the area of Ziklag, a country town about 25 miles southwest of Gath. As you guessed, there's a map. Um, all right, there it is. So you can see Gath and then Ziklag underneath that. And so David and his people lived with the enemy for a year and four months. You still got to ask why. We know some of the reasons. We know how some of it worked out well. But seriously, y'all, like this is the Philistines. David has killed thousands of these people. David has cut off the head of their giant. How could David, the man after God's own heart, find himself in this position because of verse 1? Because of verse 1, because life had become so exhausting. Because so many bad things have happened. Because so many things haven't worked out in David's favor. Because month after month after month, drama was ever present. David fell into this deep despair. Hope was lost. Lord knows Saul's going to kill me one day. I mean, I might as well just leave. I, I know what Samuel did. I know I'm anointed. Let's just, just leave Israel. And I'll, I mean, I know it's the enemy, but at least Saul will quit bothering me then. This moment of despair that drove David to a questionable life decision, this moment of dis despair that pushed David outside of God's people. Friends, in the next 16 months, you and I are going to have moments of despair. Moments that feel absolutely hopeless when you've done the right thing and it still ain't working out when you've been faithful and faithful and faithful and life pushes you down when you get bad news when that family drama won't quit when the bills pile up when you wrestle with your own sin and then you lose when you prayed for something over and over again and it just never happened i can promise you this you and i will have moments of despair Moments of hopelessness. See, the problem, the problem isn't that there are going to be problems. In the next 16 months, you can guarantee that you and I are going to have some sort of issues. Not everyone gets to have a perfect year. The problem is not the problem. The problem is what you tell your heart in that moment. That's where David failed. David did not remind himself what Samuel told him. David didn't remind himself what God had done. David didn't tell his heart the promises of the Lord. In reality, David told himself a false prophecy. David told his heart that hope was lost, 
and that Saul would kill him one day. Did you forget, David? Did you forget what you wrote about the last time you were here in Gath? Did you forget what you told yourself when your situation was even worse? These are his own words, Psalm 34, verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. There will be moments of despair when you can't see anything that is good up ahead, when you feel empty and you feel lost, and what you tell yourself, what I tell myself in that moment, will determine your future. Will you affirm your despair and shack up with the enemy, or will you tell your heart what God's word says and stay faithful even if it doesn't make sense in the moment. David failed in this one. In a moment of despair, he told his heart the wrong thing, and that then he found himself outside of God's people. And even then, you know, even, even when you make the poor decision, God will use the mess of our lives for his glory and his namesake. So what's going to happen in the next 16 months? Let me give you point two. There will be moments of fulfillment. Fulfillment. What's there to do out in the country? Maybe go hunting. Maybe go fishing. Maybe go frog gigging. Visit a bluegrass jam. For David and his men, the country town of Ziklag, it was to, to secretly plunder the enemy. Verses 8 through 12 reveal what David has been doing during his time with the Philistines. He would strike the land around him. And the text says, leaving neither man or woman alive. He would strike the land and then plunder the rest. Where, where have you made the raid today, David? Achish would ask him. Oh, me? Oh, king of Gath. Well, I, I raided Negeb of Judah. I raided Negeb of the Jehirmeel. It's, you know, it's even hard to say. <laughs> I raided Negeb of the Kenites. And Achish would listen to David with amusement. Oh, good. Good, David. Good man. Raiding, raiding his own people. Ha, David has made himself a stench to Israel. He will always be my servant. Here's what Achish was not expecting, nor sniffed out. David, it's kind of lying. Um, yes, he is raiding those people, but those people were not under Israelite control. So David is literally conquering the promised land and killing every man or woman so they don't rat him out to the king. That's what's going on. 
And I think we, we have to at least admit David's not a perfect guy, if you haven't figured that out just yet. Multiple wives, lying, killing other people to cover up his own actions. It's not going to be the last time. Which is why we don't read our Bible with David as the hero of the story. He's not. The Lord is the hero of every story. So don't be discouraged when you read the Bible and read David's actions. Be encouraged by the Lord's grace and salvation in spite of David's actions. He's taking out the enemy among the enemy. He is fulfilling the conquest of the promised land that we saw in Deuteronomy chapter 20. Look at verse 16. Deuteronomy 20, verse 16. But in these cities of these people that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance, you shall save alive nothing that breathes, but you shall devote to them complete destruction, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, as the Lord your God has commanded, that they may not teach you to do according to all their abominable practices so that they have done for their gods. And so you sin against the Lord your God. The Lord, as messy as all of this is, is fulfilling his word. The Geshurites. Israel failed to take control of. You can see that in Joshua 13, 1 through 2. The Amalekites, Saul failed to destroy in 1 Samuel 15. The Gerizites, a land that belonged to Judah, still had not been taken yet. So in this twisted deception of David's life, the Lord is fulfilling his word. Yeah, lots of things are going to happen in the next few months. Lots of things are going to happen in the next year. And I can promise you that all of those things are working to fulfill the word of the Lord. Job 42.2, I know that you can do all things, that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Proverbs 19.21, and many are the plans of the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So from, from the inside Looking out, all of that feels pretty random. Things in our life, they feel like they're either good luck or they're bad luck. And, you know, some people are just more lucky than others. That's not the Bible. That's not the gospel. That's not the sovereignty of God. In the next 16 months, you can rest assured that God is fulfilling his word. Even when it doesn't make sense or you don't know how that's working out for you. And the God of creation is inviting us to participate in that as a son or daughter of God. That as we walk in righteousness, as we are obedient to the word of God, and as we read our Bible, as we faithfully follow Christ, the Lord is using that to fulfill his word. The Lord is using that for his name's sake. But even if you don't, even when you drop the ball, Even when you go your own way, even when you walk into the camp of the enemy, even when you live a life of deception, even then the Lord's going to use that to fulfill his word. It's a reminder for our often arrogant mentality that we cannot stop the purposes of the Lord. They will be fulfilled. Whether God works through you or God works in spite of you, 
God's going to get it done. No one, no one would have thought that the promised land would have been partly conquered by David getting cozy with the Philistines. No one would have called that. God did. So whether next year is the best year you've ever had or it's the worst year, you can rest assured that the Lord is going to fulfill his word through it. No month is wasted. No bad experience is not used. No birth, no death, no doctor's appointment, no celebration, no event, no conversation, no trip. None of it is wasted in the hands of the Lord. All of it. All of the hills and the valleys are being used to fulfill his word. You know, what's going to happen in the next 16 months? I'll give you your last one. Um, the, there's going to be moments of opportunity. There will be moments of opportunity. You know, the truth, truth be told, David has gotten himself into quite a pickle. Like often used quote, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. It will cost you more than you want to pay. Such is the life of David. He's been living this double life for so long that now he has the trust of Achish. So just the first two verses of chapter 28, understand you and your men are to go out with me in the army. I mean, what a wild turn of events. That David is so trusted now that he's being requested to fight against Israel. What does he say? I mean, I'm just imagining, but I'm sure his, like his gut jumped. I'm sure his mind is racing in that moment. And verse 2, pretty coded. He says, very well, you shall know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, well, very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life, which is literally translated keeper for my head. Not a great title for the man that cut off Goliath's head, but such is the story. What will David do? Will David serve the Lord or will David serve the enemy? Yeah, there, there will be countless opportunities given to you over the next 16 months. There'll be opportunities to make new friendships, take new jobs, go on new trips, visit places you've never been before, opportunities to love, and serve the local church, opportunities to grow in your faith, opportunities to experience so many layers of life that you've not gone through. But at the end of the day, none of that matters if you don't make the right decision on who to go to battle for. It is the conundrum of David. Will you serve the Lord or will you serve the enemy? All right. You figured me out. I don't know every detail of the future. I don't know what kind of despair will enter my mind in the next year. I don't know how God's going to use all of the good things and even the terrible things to fulfill his word. I don't know the details. But I know I have an opportunity in all of that. I have an opportunity to serve the enemy or serve the Lord. 
this cliffhanger moment for David. It might be a cliffhanger moment for you. What are you going to do? The opportunity before you. Will you serve the Lord or are you going to serve the enemy? We do it time to time. Don't do it enough. But I want to give you a chance to pray and ask yourself that question right now. Even in the despair, even in the victories, even in the failures, who are you going to serve? So on, on the screens, just one slide, time of repentance and prayer. You can pray what you need to pray, but if you're like, I don't know what to do, this hopefully to guide you. So we're going to have a few moments where you can pray, just you and the Lord, and say, God, I confess whatever that needs to be. God, I will trust you with what is ahead, whatever is ahead. And then, God, I choose to serve you. So I'll give you a few moments to pray through those things um, as I pray um, as well, and then I'll come back up here and, and bring it home. Isaiah 46, verse 8, it says, Remember this. Remember this to stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God. There is no other. I am God. There is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. Saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Whatever happens in the next 16 months, I know who I'm going to serve. And I know who this church is going to serve. Because we know the counsel of the Lord will stand. And we know that the Lord will always accomplish His purpose. It's your simple summary point, and I'll pray. The Lord will accomplish His purpose. Let's pray together.
Father, we, we come before you in confession, in repentance, God, how many times I have told myself and your people have told themselves false prophecy, moments of despair where they tell themselves things that aren't even true. hypothetical realities, God, that we deem as gospel truth and then preach it to our heart. God, in these moments of despair, we, we do, we pray for the reality of God's word to be ever present in our hearts and our minds, God, that we know the right things to say to ourselves. That in everything that you're doing, you are fulfilling your, your word. And all of the things that, that look great from, from the outside looking in, they all look great. And even the things that are just a complete mess, you're using all of it to fulfill your word. So God, as, as a church, as individuals, we choose to serve you. We will not serve the enemy. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.